What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Angela Osgar on the episode today. I am so excited to hear a little bit more about her story. We've actually been chatting for a couple minutes beforehand, and I already really enjoy her. So you guys are going to as well. Angela, I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you'd like. Okay, great. Thank you, Shelly. Um, I first off just want to say thank you so much for this podcast and everything that you do, because when I was going through some of my miscarriages and um, one of my dear friends and neighbors told me about uh, the podcast, I think you interviewed on Empower Her uh, podcast. Um, oh, is that, that's yeah. how we found out. Yeah. 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 So she told me and I was like, okay. And I started listening to it and it just felt amazing to hear women talk about what I was going through and, and not feel alone. So thank you. Um, yeah, I will try to make this as, you know, in summary as much as possible, because it's a lot. I'm sure you hear that quite a bit. Um, so I actually, I've been with my husband around um, eight years, but we've been married since 2016. So I'm sure the typical intro into getting married is like, you know, get married, get off birth control, see what happens. Um, so I have been on birth control for a long time just because I had irregular cycles. And I know um, a lot of women have that as well. I actually um, found out that I had PCOS. So that was a shocker. I um, I got off the birth control, didn't have cycles for months on end and um, went to the doctor and I have a really great gynecologist. I think I've ha- been with her since I was like 16. So it's fantastic. We're on like texting terms at this point. <laughs> um, but I actually um, got an ultrasound. They saw some cysts. They're like, you have PCOS. I'm like, ah, what does that mean? I Google, I get these like how-to books. Uh, you know, there's not much research and there's not much information. So she throws me on metformin and she's like, oh, by the way, you want to get pregnant fantastic. Um, let's get your cycles normal. Let's put you on Clomid. So um, I've heard a lot of women on this podcast talk about Clomid. Um, it actually worked wonders for me, which is great. Um, I just needed a little kick to get things going. And once they got going, they didn't stop. Um, so I actually um, didn't ovulate that first month on Clomid, but uh, they upped it a little bit. Uh, I think it was 100 milligrams. And that first time I ovulated, I actually got pregnant. Um, so this is pregnancy number one. And I'm sure it's for you too. Like, it's hard to actually remember these. <laughs> so I had to like jot down some notes because I'm like, wait a second, when did that happen? And did that one end? I don't, you know, when did yeah, it end? They I don't all I have no. together. <laughs> they do. They do. Um, so that was my first pregnancy. Um, month two was really excited. And I, and I think what I want to say about number one is it, it, don't underestimate it. It is the most like, pivotal moment out of the whole thing. I mean, there's a lot of others, but I will never forget that moment. I, I like ran out of the bathroom. I'm like, oh my God. And my husband's name is Fouad. I'm like, Fouad, we're pregnant. And my husband is, uh, you know, very uh, project manager-esque, like very data-driven. And he's like, we have exactly nine months to secure all bookshelves to the walls. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, <laughs> jumping ahead here. Like, <laughs> 
I just got a positive pregnancy test. I don't know what that means. Like, does it like, is it real? Is it not? What do I do? Like, just, but so excited, like just beyond thrilled. Um, so it was like, cool, this works. Like, you know, my body can actually get pregnant, but I would say going into that, you're super naive and super, you know, everything is just like, like rose, rose colored glasses. Um, so that one actually very early on ended. Um, so they called that one a chemical pregnancy. Um, but you know, and I've heard you talk about this in other women, it's like not a great term, but I actually legitimately thought it had something to do with chemicals. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I don't like it. Does is it mean that it's fake? Yes. Is it like, is it like, like a chemical in the test or my body? And I was like, she's like, oh, it's a chemical pregnancy. Like, it's good that it, and it so I was like, you know, one confused too. Um, I, I think I did get my blood taken and I got an ultrasound done and it just showed like the sack left over. Um, and then everything took care of itself. Um, but I was like, so devastated, like just like beyond just beyond upset, um, just because you have no idea why this is happening at this point. Um, so nonetheless, after that, I stayed on Clomid. I'm like, this works cool. I'll just keep at it. Um, and I wasn't, I didn't feel like that when I wasn't knocked down for too long. Like I was just like, okay, part of the journey, let's just get to it. Uh, next month I get pregnant again, like two months in a row. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Um, side note, I had always heard about women not being able to get pregnant, like full disclosure. Always hear about that. Never heard about the girl that gets pregnant all the time and it never results in a baby. I'm like, well, you know, at this point, I'm like, oh, I'm just lucky. You know, this is cool. So um, number two, really important one because this one actually I made it all the way to nine weeks. I um, I went in earlier on, you know, you you get like the ultrasounds, you see things developing. And um, the only thing that was wrong, like the first indicator was the heartbeat was a little low. It was like in the 70s, which now later I know what that means. But um, my doctor was basically like 50-50 shot. Like we're really not sure it's early. Um, so with that one, uh, I kind of felt like it was not gonna work out but i just like well i never made it this far like i never had a heartbeat this is cool um and then I, like the normal stuff like with the first one and this one too you start bleeding a little bit and spotting and like yes bleeding sometimes can be an okay thing too but for me it just it just always had this like negative connotation because it always it always ended in something right um so that one, I, I go in, I hear the heartbeat and it's, it's low. I come back in after bleeding, I get a different doctor because, you know, most OBGYNs, there's like a panel of doctors. I had never seen this one and he had like no bedside manner whatsoever. Um, so, you know, like ultrasound tech can't tell you anything. You get, you wait, you go in a room and he's like, okay, well, I don't know what your previous doctor told you, but if I would have seen that first heartbeat, I would have told you this probably wouldn't have worked out. So you've got three options. You can take some pills you can do and I'm like whoa 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 I'm like crying like so dude fact, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah and like and I'm like so what am I supposed to do like you know I, I know this is over but like can you give me a second to like process what you just said so um I was gonna take the pill and then I was just terrified of what I was gonna see to be honest and I'm sure a lot of women feel that way and kudos to those that that can do that and power through it I was not one of those girls I just said let's get it done, like, like, let's move on. My thing was just always like, very transactional. Like, 
<laughs> I want to be done with it. It's done. I want to be done and I want to move on because I want to get to the goal, which is not this. <laughs> like I want a baby at the end of this. So that one, I had a different doctor do my DNC and um, then my day-to-day -day doctor. And this is a guy, he actually hugged me in the elevator, super compassionate, really nice. He's like, I'm gonna test the fetus. And I was like, oh, that's funny. My previous, my real doctor, day-to-day -day real doctor, you know, my regular doctor, um, <laughs> she was like, oh, no need, you know, like no big deal. And I had actually mentioned to her um, in passing that I know I had some family history of something genetic, but nobody talked about it. And it was very hush hush. And it only happened to one family member. It really impacted her. So, oh yeah, no, if it's not your mom, then it's like no big deal. And, and like rightfully so, because I casually brought it up and I know this is probably common. I downplay the crap out of everything. <laughs> Oh no, but it's like no big a deal. But like it's I you know, yeah. Uh -huh. And oh god, I was just like silly. I should have pushed it. Like I should have been like, listen, this is in my family. You gotta. So I'll get to that in a second. But DNC happens. Um, this was brutal, right? Because it's like it happens. I was like really good going into it. And all the nurses were like, wow, you like you're doing great. You're fantastic. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm again like just trying to get this done with. And then once it was over, it was like all hell broke loose. I just, the, the emptiness, the, the, oh my God, I don't even know what I had. And now it's gone. It's like, whoo, like it just hits you like a ton of bricks. Um, so took some time off, got the results back from the testing fairly quickly, actually. And found out two things. One, it was a triploidy, which is very common for miscarriages. That means literally all the chromosomes tripled. But they were like, and then there's this other thing that we found, but it wasn't the reason the baby passed. The triploidy was the reason, but you are actually, get ready for it, a Robertsonian translocation 1314. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? You know, she's like, well, you, you might not have it, but, but the baby was balanced. And I was like, okay. And the genetic counselor that I met with, with my husband was like, we've never seen both of these things pop up at the same time. We don't have a diagram for it, but let's get you tested for this Robertsonian translocation 1314. And I'm like, shit, this is what runs in my face. This has to be it. And I've, I have to have it. And then I immediately go, well, my mom, I'm one of two. My mom had one miscarriage. So how the heck would she, I mean, she has to have it if I have it technically, right? Because for those that I didn't understand this, right? Like my dad and my mom, my dad passed me a 13 and 14 chromosome, like individually. And my mom passed me a 13, 14 that were like connected, like joined at the hip type of thing. And it means nothing like for me day to day. It only impacts when you, you know, conceive and, and have a child, which means some of my eggs may have 13, 14 joined and an extra 13 or a missing 13 or an extra. So it's like, it's got me personally, they call me balanced and my mother would be balanced, meaning normal human beings, like there's nothing wrong. It's, and we have all the right DNA and the makeup. It's just that the way that my 13, 14 are joined can sometimes throw off the number when I conceive and, and create a baby. So I know that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard. I'm just like. <clears throat> no. And right like mind, mind blown when I heard about it because I didn't even know what it was. So long story short, I get I do the blood test and they're like, well, it's most likely you. And I'm like, no, oh, that makes sense. But like, let's test him, too. Like, come on. Like, you know, everything's about the woman. And 
I just it it I multiple times I'd be like, listen, this Make is like him a jizz in a cup. Make yeah, him do something yeah. uncomfortable. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like something. Like you're going through all of this and <laughs> he's just, you know, and he was more than happy. He's like, babe, I probably don't have it. I'm like, no, that's fair. But like you you need By to get way, that feel. <laughs> I just did like a masturbating <clears throat> motion. Like <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. That's the way, that's how you got to do it. Oh my God. <laughs> um, so yeah, I find out that the baby was like, this is the real kicker. The baby was balanced like me. So I got an embryo that was normal, but this triploidy that triples the chromosomes just fucked it all up. So I was like, okay, so you're telling me I have this and that this was a balanced baby like me and my mom and my other family member that has it, but something else just came in there and ruined everything. They're like, yep. I'm like, wow, that's maybe the, like, it was just, it was, it was awful. So during this process though, I met a really great genetic counselor. I still call her and update her and she calls me like, she's fantastic. Um, and she's actually one of the women I was talking about. She's really nice and and soft spoken. And every time I call her for some reason, I just start swearing. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. Um, <clears throat> so this one um, was a big one because it taught me why I was having these miscarriages, which a lot of women don't know. And it's bad luck. It's just the wrong number of chromosomes. It's just, this is so common, like all these phrases. And here I am, good thing, because I'm like, me and my husband, I mean, if we wouldn't have known, we would have like burned down some, I don't know, like, we are just the type of people that like, we will not stop until we get an answer. So I'm really grateful that I got one, um, because it just, it was super helpful. So then I find out this other family member um, that, that has the Robertsonian 1314, she actually had five miscarriages before she had a baby. Um, so, you know, then I'm like, okay, well, I've got that as my, my benchmark, my baseline, let, let me see. So after this, I think, you know, it, it was devastating to hear that there was something wrong with me, right? Because just at the end of the day, it is so hard to hear. And then one, it's, it's confusing, <clears throat> excuse me, um, it's confusing. And also it's really hard to go forward knowing that something you can't control is going to potentially cause this again. So at this point, I think in the journey, I actually looked at my husband and this is like the crazy shit you'll say. I was like, listen, I love you. This is fantastic. You are my soulmate. I want to be with you for the rest of my life. But if you want to go, this is your opportunity. Like, this is going to be hard. You can leave me now. This is it, though. Like, one time pass. You got to go now. <laughs> I don't think this is going to be easy. It's going to, like, suck. And, like, you could just go with someone else and have a baby right now if you want. But, like, I can't. it was just, of course, he's wonderful. And he was, like, absolutely nuts. But legit, I was, like, very serious in that moment about what I was saying. <clears throat> so, um. Anywho, I, uh, after that miscarriage, I think we took a month off and I said, no more Clomid, like I'm done. I don't think that's obviously causing anything, but like, I'm just going to see what my body does. And I'm, I'm grateful that pregnancy actually regulated me. I am no longer on anything because my body just knows what to do now. So with that being said, I, I, my next, my next pregnancy was actually, um, and, and, 
rewinding a bit. That one was around um, nine weeks. Number, that was number two. So number three was the next month. So again, like, I think I was pregnant four times in six months, which is ridiculous. Um, But my third one was shortly after, I think it was, there's a month I took a break and then, you know, was trying slash not trying and it just happened. Um, And that one was really early and passed around seven weeks. So that was, I remember that one being particularly hard because then just every time you bleed, it's just like you're terrified and you know what's going to happen. But it was nice because it was early uh, and I was grateful for that. And I could just, my body then, it was just like a late period almost. And I hate to like diminish it and I'm not diminishing it, but when you have such um, awful losses beyond that, you're grateful for when your body takes care of it early on where it doesn't impact right you as much um physically i guess is what i'm saying um so i'm uh at this point (laughs) just like okay we'll see what happens um i actually went to a fertility clinic because my genetic counselor said hey you have really good odds of getting um a good egg and a good embryo if you do ivf and i thought wow ivf just seems really extreme I always thought IVF was for people that can't get pregnant. And I, I hate to say this, but like I prided myself and a little too much, I'll admit, um, in the, I can get pregnant. And I said it a lot and I said it because I was actually insecure about everything else. And I was just like telling everyone all the time. Yeah. But like, I'm pregnant. No, I'm not. I'm now I'm not. And, and, and who knows, I might've said it in front of someone that can't, I, I, I mean, I feel awful about it, but I, I said it all the time and I, yeah, so I'm just, I, I get feel- it. I used to, I used to be like, I don't have infertility issues because I can right. get pregnant. I don't have right. infertility. And then eventually yeah. something switched and I was like, I have infertility issues. <laughs> like, there was a while there where I was like, I don't have infertility. I yeah. Infertility, but it's like, in a way it's, you do. I know. <laughs> I, oh yeah. Yeah. And you're almost in denial because you just, yeah you assume that that word means other things and that it doesn't encompass this or um, who, you know, who knows. But um, so I went to fertility clinic and I, I met someone there, a doctor that has been in the practice for a really long time, but apparently his numbers are fantastic. And so I'm like, let me just entertain the idea of IVF. So we come in, my husband and I, with our one note summary, (laughs) of like one page summary of all the dates and every pregnancy and what happened and all this stuff. And he's like, hasn't read my chart, knows nothing about me. Uh, It was an awful experience. And then I said, you know, and I'm thinking like, he he put me through all the testing. So as a side note, I went through all that blood panel and everything. And everything was great. Like my reserve and all of that. And he's like, I, I go, okay, well, what about my husband? And he looks at me and he goes, well, I don't think we need to test your husband because we know what the real problem is. And he points at me and I'm like, like, (laughs) okay, you're not it. You're not my doctor. (laughs) Like (laughs) I get it, but like, come on. Like at this point I'm beating myself up because there's literally something wrong with my DNA and I can't control it, but I'm beating myself up because I think I'm the reason why this is happening. And honestly, this is like an example where quite literally I am like, let's be real. This is the reason, but like, it's not my fault. I I can't do anything about it. So 
I, I say to my husband, I'm like, okay, I, I don't know if I'm ready for this. This is a lot. Um, and I, I asked the doctor, he's like, yeah, let's start you on birth control pills, like in a, in a week. And I said, Oh, well, what if I'm pregnant now? Like just hypothetically, you know, he goes, Oh, you're not pregnant. <laughs> sure enough. Couple days pass and I'm pregnant. <laughs> and I call him and I'm like, hey, you know, I think I talked to the nurses and I'm like, I'm pregnant. I'm like, oh, congratulations. You don't need us anymore. I was like, whoa, whoa, not so fast. I'm probably going to need you. Just don't know when. Probably will be like soon. <laughs> don't, you know, don't, don't jump too far ahead. Um, and this was the uh, fourth pregnancy. Um, and this one is tough to talk about. <laughs> um, this was, it ultimately ended, um, but I'll start at the good part. Um, I, my husband and I had never heard a heartbeat. We had never seen a baby move and kick and move their arms. Um, this baby was um, many firsts. So, you know, we went in and, you know, HCG is doing great and first ultrasound is great. And we hear a heartbeat pretty early or, you know, you see it on the screen. And um, then we get to like, I think the nine week mark. And because I have this chromosome thing, I'll call it, because it's a really long title otherwise, um, I know that I have to get testing done early because there is a worst case scenario. And that scenario is that it is a trisomy 13 or a trisomy 14, which just means three, like one extra 13 or one extra 14. A 13, trisomy 13 can go all the way to term. And actually the family member I was referring to earlier had that baby back in the day when they didn't have testing that they do now and they didn't know until she was born and then she died. So I knew that like, if that person in my family carried a term, it's highly likely that like, if that happened to me, that might be the case. And there's no like data or science behind it. I just knew in my gut that like that would happen. So we talked about my husband and I before, if that ever happened, what would we do? Um, and we ultimately decided that if the baby didn't pass on its own, that we wouldn't want our baby to suffer. So I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but if I rewind a little bit, that first ultrasound, they were like, wow, everything looks great. Like um, it was a she, um, and we actually named her Fatima. Um, Fatima was like, you know, moving her arms and feet and legs. And like, you know, she was just moving her left arm. We're like, oh, she's a lefty, you know, like you start like associating this personality to this baby. Cause you, I mean, you've never seen this before. This is like, you're moving mountains. Like, wow, this, this has to be it because I've never made it this far and like it can't possibly and and the genetic counselor and the doctors like ultrasound looks so good it's still really early but like we we don't have any reason to believe there's anything wrong like yes there's still a risk but like all things are good don't like just try not to worry about it so I highly encourage to anyone that needs to do genetic testing to do um, this um, NIPT testing, that non-invasive prenatal testing. It's just a blood draw. And while it's just a screening and it's not 100% accurate, it was for me. And it gave me the heads up that I needed to prepare myself for like the next step. So um, we, we were waiting quite some time for those test results to come back. 
And um, I, I got the call and um, my genetic counselor right away was, you could tell like <laughs> it was not good news. Um, and she told me, and I just remember, she told me that, that the baby had tested positive, like highly likely for trisomy 13. And I thought, oh my gosh, like, are you sure? Like, what's the percentage? And she's like, well, Angela, it's just a screening, but like, you have this genetic problem. This is popping up. This is, this is likely the case. Now, if some random person who doesn't have this had that pop up on that test, they would not jump to conclusions and think like, oh, this is it. But for me, you kind of, you kind of put two and two together, you know, it's it. So um, I'm in shock. I'm like devastated. My husband's at work. I call him, he comes home and I'm just like, I'm already jumping to like what we have to do. So when, when this happens, you're like, okay, I need proof though, right? Because this is like a blood test and like this is my blood and maybe some of the baby's blood, but I need to know what's going on. So we have another ultrasound and of course, and everyone says this when the folks that knew like in my close family members or, or the doctors were like, you know, we hope she just passes on her own. I'm like, listen, me too but I don't think that's gonna happen. Like, and I do believe in a higher being and I do believe that just sometimes things suck and they don't work out and there's really no reason. So in this case, I'm like, appreciate it, but you know, like, go ahead, pray for me, go at it. <laughs> I don't think it's gonna do anything. Like what's done is done, you know? Um, so we go into that ultrasound and um, we're looking for things that are like, you know, like visually things that are wrong to confirm the diagnosis. And the ultrasound tech doesn't really say much. And then they're trying to measure the nuchal fold, but she's like not cooperating and just like flailing around. And they're like push, pushing me back on this table, like trying to get the, the measurement. And then the doctor comes in and says, okay, two things. One, the nuchal fold is a little larger than normal. And I guess in the genetic world, it's it was up there, but like from an OBGYN standpoint, they wouldn't look at it and go, oh my gosh, that's abnormal. So one, that's a little like wishy-washy. Two, they're like, um, you know, she has fluid all over her body. And I'm like, okay, well, what does that mean? And they're like, well, you know, it, it could mean impending heart failure. It could mean a miscarriage. Um, and and that, so then she follows that by saying, but I've also seen it just resolve itself. Like, oh, <laughs> okay, all right. Well, don't know what I need. Like, what do I do with that? Because none of that sounds like, yes, there's a problem and all this stuff. So we do the CVS test, which um, takes a piece of the placenta and tests that. And actually there's a, it's called a fish analysis where they put dye on the cells and they can actually like look within 24 hours to see if there's extra 13s or, you know, they can do this. Like, you know, you don't have to wait two weeks, which is fantastic. You got to pay more for it, but totally worth it. Um, <clears throat> we did that. Um, and that did come back positive for trisomy 13. So I did wait to get that before I ultimately kind of moved to the next thing. Um, but with that being said, I have to say like, there is nothing in the world that was more difficult than this, right? I, I've always prided myself by saying that I am pro-choice, but if given the choice, I would choose life. And this was the first time that I, I couldn't do it. I mean, I heard, I think it was Caitlin um, that shared something similar where she had a non-viable pregnancy and had to make this really hard decision. It's an understatement. Um, and you just look at your partner and you just, you know, like, I didn't even have to talk. I didn't have to say anything. I just looked at him and we both knew that 
um, we didn't want our baby to suffer. Like at the end of the day, I know the nervous system isn't even developed yet. Like I had to ask that question. I'm like, wait a second. So like, when does that happen? And when does she feel that like, okay, don't worry about her. I'm like, but that, this is how we're wired. I can't, <laughs> I can't not think about her. Like, um, this is my first child in my mind. Right. So, um, I sit on it for a few days. I talked to the family member actually that found out the baby was trisomy 13 once she was born and she was, um, you know, died and they had to go through a whole burial and all of that. And I thought, man, if I could stick it out and I could just, you know, birth the baby and hold it and honor it and do all these things. And then it just felt selfish. It felt like I was doing all of that for me. And I felt like, gosh, I, I have, I have to do what's right. And even though it's hard and it's unimaginably hard and difficult to swallow, I, I, we have to do it. Like we have to do it. So I talked to her and it really helped. And I talked to a lot of women. Listen, I talked to women that like went through full pregnancies knowing that their baby wasn't going to live. And, and I, I took it all in and then you ultimately just have to make the best decision for you and your partner. You can't like, I, I sat there and thought about the woman that just went through it and, and did all of this. And I go, okay, that's that, that can't, that I just can't do it. So um, we called and unfortunately guy live in a state that has um, really like decent reproductive rights, but a lot of states don't. I mean, you have to travel like across the state um, you know, there's a lot of laws right now that are kind of not great for my scenario, to be honest. Um, but not getting into that, I will say my OBGYN did not do the, um, the, I'll call it an abortion. Cause that, that's what it was. Um, it's a hard word. And some people are like, Oh no, termination. I'm like, well, for, for all intents and purposes, that's what this was. Like, let's not sugarcoat it. Um, it is what it is. Um, and um, she wouldn't do it. And so I got passed to another OBGYN that did. Now, this was like terrifying because I don't know who these people are. And this is like the biggest surgery I've ever had. And for legal reasons, my OBGYN wouldn't do it. And that's fine, whatever. It's just it was hard. You're in such a vulnerable state and you're getting passed over to all these doctors. And I had to wait two weeks to get the uh, this procedure done called a D&E. Um, in those two weeks, and I think I heard another girl say this on the podcast, you would think it would be like awful and like, oh, just like we were planning this party to announce, because at this point I was like 14 weeks pregnant probably. So this is the phase where you're supposed to be like celebrating and we already know the sex and we're going to have this big party. And, um, you know, here I am sitting here now trying to figure out like what to do. Um, but the, those two weeks was actually super awesome in a weird, weird way. I was able to, you know, carry the baby. I, I had her still with me. She was still, you know, moving, even though I couldn't feel her. And it, it, it was just, it, it was awesomest two weeks I've ever had because it was the last time I had with her. So I'll cherish it forever. Um, so flash forward to the actual procedure. Uh, was awful. Like DNCs weren't so bad. Uh, this one, they have to dilate you. They dilated me the day before. And I was just in so much pain that I was in and out of the ER all day. I mean, I, I don't know how people do that. They're like, it's not a big deal. Take this little pain pill. Enjoy yourself. 
uh, this, you know, you got a big day tomorrow. And here I am on the floor, like ready to throw up and I'm pacing and I'm like, so I went back to the ER. I couldn't, I like couldn't handle it. Um, so it was pretty bad. So the, the next day was actually pretty easy compared to, to the dilation part. Um, but you know, again, this one was hard because it, I, it's like, I couldn't even imagine, I, I had to ask the woman and this is like awful to hear talk about, but I had to ask her like, when does she die? Like, I, I don't understand. Like, how, like if we're, I won't get into the details because it's very gruesome, but like, she's like, yeah, when we cut the umbilical cord, I was like, okay, whew, like, at least like, you know, she's not, and she's like, honey, the nervous system isn't developed. She can't feel anything yet. That's why it's good that you're doing it now. She goes, you can't be concerned about her. You have to worry about yourself. And I'm like, yeah, again, I, I can't really do that. But um, procedure went really well, which sometimes when you're that far along, it can be a little tricky. Um, you never know what can get kind of messed up in the mix there. And it went really well. She did a great job. Was This doctor was fantastic. Like they were all wonderful. And instead, like quite honestly, we deal with a lot of terminations that are because of this. Like this is not super uncommon like you think. Just a lot of people don't talk about it. Um, so that that was my last pregnant. Well, no, that wasn't my last pregnancy. That was number four. <laughs> Flash forward a little bit, I um, it took me a while to get over that. That was just in February. So she passed on Valentine's Day. Um, I I went, listen, like this is like the hardest work I've ever done. You like when you go through these things, whether it be something as bad as this or even just your first miscarriage, you have to do like the hard work because if you don't, I mean, I easily could have lost myself and I started to and slipped into depression and I just, I felt awful, but like, I just had to pick myself back up. I had to go to therapy. I had to start talking about it. And if I didn't do that, I would not be sitting here today talking to you. I would be in my room crying <laughs> like every week. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, but um, it, it, I had to put in the work because if I didn't, I would have, I would have lost myself for sure. Um, but beyond that, after that, I was terrified to get pregnant. <laughs> I was like, oh, crap, I can't do this again. Like, hands off, Fawad. Like, no, like, get away. We can't, we cannot, we cannot get pregnant. Um, so I get referred to another doctor at that same clinic. And she's fantastic. Awesome. The, the woman that did my abortion referred me to her. And so I get this wonderful woman and she's like, okay, IVF. She's like, listen, I, I wish you would have come to me earlier. Like you've been through a lot. And I'm like, no, that's fair. But like, I just kept getting pregnant. So I just kept rolling with it. And now I've hit the ultimate worst case scenario. And I just, I can't have another abortion. Like I can't do it. No. Um, and so I went into IVF in May, actually. Um, so my, my stims and my retrieval was in May. It's not too long ago. And I went in, as a lot of women say, super naive, thinking this is the answer. This is awesome. And for me, I'm like, you know, you you take those eggs out, girl. Like, take them out. Pick the right ones. <laughs> like, I can't find one uh, four times. So if you could, like, produce more and get a good one, we're golden, right? And I think because I can get pregnant so easily that this will just, like, work, right? Because if it works for other people that have issues, then why wouldn't it work for me? I go through IVF uh, in May and I will say I, it, it was tough. It's hard. It's not fun. Like <laughs> it, it's um, 
the shots and all of that is it's just it's a it takes a big chunk out of your life. I mean, it just it's a it's a lot of time and a lot of energy. Ultimately, um, it went pretty well for me, meaning like I, I, I did pretty well throughout the process. But I um, out of that IVF cycle, I got oh, gosh, I got to remember this. I think I wrote it down. I got 11 eggs. Out of those 11, 10 were mature and nine fertilized, which is good. Like the, the numbers aren't dwindling too far down. And then out of those nine, five embryos made it to day five and day six. So they were like five, that, that's really good. Like there's gotta be a good one in there. And everyone was super optimistic. And then the news came back that there were all abnormal. And I was like, wow. And, and I, my work, my insurance pays for I think two or three of these. So mind you, the folks that have to front the money and financially feel the burden along with emotionally, like power to them, because I mean, I was devastated. I can't imagine like just me flushing that money down the toilet. Like, <laughs> um, I will say that devastation of like, I remember I was in a restaurant and we got the call like late at night and she told me and she's just like, we got to do it again. We got to do it again. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like this was supposed to be my answer. Like I'm running into all of these bad scenarios getting pregnant naturally. You were supposed to get me a normal embryo. Like wh why didn't this happen? And honestly, we don't know, right? We don't know what eggs drop and which ones have the normal number and which don't. Like it's just that we have zero control. And I think I, when you feel so helpless, it sucks, but you also get to a point where you just surrender and you're like, all right, whatever, we'll just do it again. Um, so all of those embryos were either missing a 13 or missing a 14, which makes sense because that's what I've got going on here. So at least it was nothing new. Um, so when she's like, yeah, just get back up on the, the horse and let's do it again. I personally couldn't do it because I just felt so devastated. And I know miscarriage is tough and it, it sucks. But when you go through all of that, um, work and you put in the time and you get nothing out of it i was depressed for like a solid week like i was like this is this is this this disappointment having these disappointments over and over and over again you just get sick of it like it, i'm 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 over it i know i'm not i'm not doing this again so i tell her i'm not jumping right back into it and i'm going to try naturally and she doesn't love that idea because she's worried about what will happen but she says listen you know the risk. You've been in the worst case scenario. You do what you want to do at this point. And like I told her, I'd come back eventually, but I'm going to try naturally. So I don't think I've actually told anyone about these, but right before IVF, when she told me to like be very careful and not get pregnant, I, we were like we were we were careful. Before that, we weren't careful. I actually got pregnant right before IVF, which was which was terrifying because I was like, oh, wow, I screwed this up. That again, that one ended very quickly. So it was fine. And then just recently, like a few weeks ago, I got a positive pregnancy test and then like a late period. So I think technically now I'm up to six uh, since last July. I, it, it's mind boggling. Um, but what I told her was like, I understand there's risks with trying naturally, but there's also something to be said for having like too much information, I think. Like, I, I think it's good that we're empowering ourselves with data and information about our bodies and why things are happening. But when you get inundated with so much, like those embryos knowing every single one, or what if one of those had Down syndrome? Or what if, I, all these what ifs go through my head, or what if they implant a normal embryo and then it doesn't work? 
because apparently just because I can get pregnant easily on my own doesn't mean that that works like magic. So what if I ruin my opportunity? So all these things go through your mind and you change your mind every day, like every day back and forth. And I just thought like I'm controlling this way too much right now. I need to back off and I need to like let let it be. Um, so that's where I'm at right now. I think I'm going to do IVF soon um, in the next few months um, to try it again. But in the meantime, I'm going to, you know, not necessarily prevent. So um that's kind of my story. Oh my god! I, <laughs> I know that's a lot. Um, I just it's 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 hard. Um, but I will say I've learned so much, and I know one day it'll happen. It's just mm-hmm. it's just it's unfortunate that I have to like that all of us like a lot of the women listening to this right now have to go through this. But um, it. It, it eventually will work itself out. It's just, it's some, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like I, it, people that it happens right away or the second time doesn't work as easily or what, I mean, there's just like so many scenarios. Um, so that's, yeah, that's been my last, what, year and a half of just constantly being pregnant and I'm pregnant. So. <laughs> it's a lot. And then, and then when you are pregnant and it's, it's your rainbow you're gonna be like this I've been pregnant for two years three years like it literally like oh I know I know well that and like honestly like I truly um I appreciate and understand you know when people I would never understand this when people said it but they're like you know I just I I it's too much. I don't, I don't know if I want a child, like uh, after going through some of this stuff, I can now understand, like, listen, cause this stuff changes who you are sometimes, right? Like, let's not like, forget that if you let this like consume you and you don't fight it and beat it, it changes who you are. And to be honest, like with you guys right now, that scares me. I don't want to lose myself. And there's times where I feel that happening and I think, is this worth it? And so now I understand the people that are like, you know what, I'm going to take a break or, you know what, this isn't for me. And, you know, God bless, hopefully it happens at some point, but um, you got to look out for you. And if you don't, it's just, you you can't lose your, it's very easy to lose yourself in all of this. It's yeah. just an understatement. It totally is. <laughs> and with that being said, like, I always ask at the end of an episode, if you had one piece of advice, and I'm kind of going to like narrow yours down, but if you had yeah. one piece of advice on like how yeah. to not lose yourself, yeah, what would that be? Yeah, that's a good one. And I think, so one of my good friends and mentors told me this, so she was actually my boss at the time and was wonderful. Like I was able to have time off and, and regroup. Um, you know, Ellen says, be kind to one another. Um, This mentor was saying me, be kind to yourself. Um, It is really easy to self-blame and guilt. And there's, um, you beat yourself up and you blame yourself. And honestly, like I struggled with that. And if I didn't go to therapy, I wouldn't have been able to fight that. I had to have someone look me straight in the face and say, Angela, this is not this is not you. And I mean, I argued with her for like a solid 30 minutes of why it was my fault. And she pushed me right. And um, you can't beat yourself up. And so be kind to yourself can mean a lot of things. And I mean, sometimes that was like, I've gained some weight from all these pregnancies, plus this medication. Uh, uh-uh. Like, I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm not going to sit here and like, beat myself up about all this that's happened. It's like, you've been through so much. And all of the women, listening, you've been through so much 
you have to be kind to yourself and be your best advocate because not a lot of other people are, right? We have friends, we have family, they get it, but, but a lot of them don't. Like we know that if you don't go through this, you don't quite get it. So you have to kind of have to be like your number one, right? And um, that, mm -hmm. that would be that would be kind of my my little tip, but it's obviously a lot, a lot more than that. Cause it's, it's hard, but <laughs> well, it's easier said than done. Correct. But it's important. Yeah. So yeah. it's important. Yeah. It's important to take those steps and that's all that you can do is just like take those yep. steps that you need to take. Exactly. Um, even, One day. Even if you don't really feel like it. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Thank you so, thank you so so much, Angela. If somebody oh, yeah. to reach out to you, is Instagram the best way? Yeah, Instagram. And my uh, my handle okay. is my first and last name together with no spaces. So Angela and last name is A-S-G-H-A-R. Um, yeah, so. Perfect. And that will be linked awesome. in the description. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Shelly. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together. 